0: Welcome. We do it in English. In English. English. Sure. Ruvi, English? English yes.
1: Okay. Uh, of course. Hi,
0: Yes. Hi. Welcome, I, Sipi. Welcome, Sipi. Sipi. welcome,
1: everybody. Hi, R- Professor Ruvi Dar. Professor mm-hmm. at Tel Aviv University. He was the chair of the um, clinical... Uh, I was the head of the clinical track
2: at the time. The the university
1: psychology department. Right. Uh, I must say that... Um, That he is a very good psychologist. (laughs) And later we have a punchline, but we'll we'll leave it. Um, Okay. The punchline, two punchlines and we'll leave it. Give us one. What? Give us one. No. So um, the reason why I'm eager to talk to you and silly too, because I wonder what will happen to our society, which we love, devoted feel very part, doesn't matter, you know, um who is leading us. We care, I mean we can be angry, but we love the country very much. What will happen to us with all the OCD, all the paranoia, mm-hmm. all the phobia, all the oh, post-traumatic trauma. Uh, post-trauma. post-trauma from before coming back now, and the new ones. Um, etc etc and the panic attack
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean I yeah. don't know how well, but I leave you how you want to start but we worry
2: yeah I think there's uh, I think of, of the things that you mentioned um uh, the main thing to worry about is the trauma and the PTSD the post-traumatic stress disorder which is likely to be in very very large numbers uh paradoxically most of the other disorders like OCD that you mentioned and panic disorder they don't tend to increase very much during times of, of serious highly stressed situations they, they are sort of I mean people with OCD for example they tend to be very odysyncratic. you know they have these ideas uh that uh, have to be to do with maybe uh, worry about not being clean enough or touching something that's contaminated or checking things over and over again and those don't tend to decrease too much in times of war uh, actually i actually have one patient who found himself in the war uh, and he's going to the war zone and he's actually much happier than he was when he was at home in tel aviv because he's found friends and in his uh he has a nice community there so to speak and it feels yeah, like don't it,
0: recommend it, would...
2: it. Mm-hmm. uh depends you know i'm not sure i think it's it's, it's it's it was actually interesting to me to find that he found that it's it's a good experience for him uh, and I don't think it increases his OCD but in terms of trauma we're certainly in a situation that um, that will surely increase the number of people suffering from trauma now of course but also uh, many of them will suffer uh, from a chronic uh, yeah. a chronic you know the chronic uh, stress disorder. Uh, we're doing as much as we can now in, 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 in many areas to try to prevent that or to minimize the number of people that we think or we worry that will develop the chronic uh, condition called PTSD. So I think I told you I spent uh, two weeks at the hotel in the Dead Sea in Yamamelah with uh, refugees from one of the kibbutzim, uh, the largest kibbutz actually that was attacked during uh October 7th and that's the kibbutz Barry right and that kibbutz almost all of the kibbutz has moved as a unit to this large hotel near the Dead Sea and, and we established a group that um helped them to um the, the idea is to try to avert uh the, the development of of chronic trauma so we, we spent time talking to them hearing their stories uh, giving them encouragement, making them feel powerful and, uh, com- and and part of a larger community and so on. Uh, and those efforts, I think, are now going on all over the country uh, with the idea that that's the most important thing to do now for people who are in the, in the mental health, helping professions.
0: Ruby, I want to ask you something between uh personal trauma and all the rest and the nation trauma and the Mm -hmm. national post-trauma how do you define between the two and how do you address it that's a good
2: very good question so I think you know when you talk about the psychiatric or psychological definition of PTSD or or trauma reaction uh then you talk about real personal trauma usually that, that you felt that your own life was at risk or someone else close to you was at risk and there's a real uh a real trauma uh, in in the very concrete personal sense um when we talk about national trauma I think it's more of a metaphor it's not really most people like me uh, who experience this as, as a shock you know as a um, uh, very worrying depressing uh and, and uh, painful uh event uh I wouldn't consider it a trauma for me I mean I don't think people like me who've even with all the weight that we fit on our shoulders and all the worry will develop are likely to develop a trauma unless we were exposed directly to you know uh terrorists coming to our house. that's very
1: important because all of my friends I think it's including me are using post-trauma as it right we just use it and maybe you know, taking care of those yeah. that you are talking about, and then telling me and mm-hmm. all of me, mm-hmm. that be careful when you call yourself post-trauma.
2: Right. I think it it shouldn't be used lightly. I, it's like people sometimes use, you know, the word uh, "my husband is autistic." You know, right? And you know, <laughs> and they don't really mean autistic right. in, the, in the sense that people on the autistic spectrum really. But are. they know uh, they don't
1: mean it literally. When that's right. say that's I right. say post-trauma. It's almost, uh, I develop a, almost a comforting kind of.
2: Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's helpful to stay
0: sane, you know. You know, like a process. insane. But, but, you know, you can see how the Israelis react. And you see, you know, especially when you're outside of Israel. That mm-hmm. the israelis react differently to sirens the israelis react differently no. to to noises you have it the thing
2: is that well, a short uh, time usually yeah that's true
0: yeah but also you don't think it uh, it influences uh, decisions sure
2: um, so this- no, sure it does sure it does i mean i mean people do- you know question uh, whether living here makes sense you know and, and people right. leave the country or people want to protect their children or people um yeah they, they may rethink their life story or their life agendas uh and uh but that doesn't mean they're in trauma it just means that something very dramatic happened to all right. of us which makes us rethink our lives what do you
1: mean what what people so, mean when they say that we are uh, getting away from ourselves uh, during this time or using proxies Um,
2: using proxies you mean as part of my theory of ocd maybe but i don't think that's relevant i think
1: if you can explain it first
2: you want to know about my theory of ocd i'm not sure if it will tie into uh this topic but the idea that we have that we developed this is uh myself and nira and and uh, Nira Lee, Amit,
1: professor uh Nira Lieberman.
2: that's right. it was also my partner and, and Amit Lazar who is a professor our department used to be our students my students especially so we have this idea that if you think of the symptoms of OCD uh, you can understand them as um coming from an attempt to compensate for difficulty in accessing your own internal states so if you uh, want to know whether you love your partner, if you want to know uh, if you are truly believing God, if you want to know what the emotions you're feeling, um, and even things of state like hunger am I hungry? What do I feel like eating? All of these things are in our theory called internal states. And we believe, and there's evidence that we have, that people who have OCD or high on the OCD spectrum uh have difficulty accessing precisely these internal states so what they need to do instead is they have to infer about their internal states using what we call proxies so for example if you uh don't know how much you love your partner you can count the number of text messages that you exchange or you can uh see how much money you spend buying them presents If you don't know how hungry you are uh, you can um rely on um precedents like how much you ate yesterday or, or what's a considered a portion of food in mcdonald's or you can test whether your uh, shirt is hanging tight or loose on your belly all these are what we call proxies for the internal basically
0: status. you find a tool to measure
2: that's right exactly indexes or tools to measure exactly uh and um and and rules and rituals which are part of lcd Main symptoms are proxies in our theory. So if you don't if you don't have a sense that your hands are clean after you wash them, then you develop a procedure that would help you wash yeah. your hands and say, okay, I've done my procedure now, I'm clean. Um, and and the same similar rules and, and rituals are very typical to OCD in general. Well,
1: can you explain how come OCD did not uh, rise now with what's uh-huh. happening? I
2: think that, um, again, I don't have the statistics. If it rises, it rises in in small uh, quantities. I mean, it's really more likely to rise, for example, if you have a pandemic, right? Because people, if you're worried about your health and you're worried about touching contaminants, that would increase, uh, likely to increase in the pandemic. And I'm not even sure that even there, but I'm not sure because I didn't look at the statistics. But... Generally, again, what happens is that OCD is a very peculiar condition where people are worried about very idiosyncratic stuff, like getting contaminated or not locking the house and and going back to check. And there's no reason that these kinds of things would increase because it's really irrelevant to the kind of stress we're really, uh, all of us are in. Um, And um, so, yeah, you would see increase, like, all of us in worry maybe uh, during the pandemic it's the increase in depression because people were lonely uh, and anxiety about the future. Clearly we see it and I think all of us experience that. Um, but not in these idiosyncratic problems like city necessarily.
1: Now there is, um, so let's go back for a minute to post-trauma that we all define ourselves as post-traumatic, but it's uh, fueled by some kind of uh, empirical uh, or reality, uh, for example. Uh, let me just close the
2: door for a second. A second.
1: Yeah. What did you say? Sure. Let's go
0: to
2: Closing
1: the door. No, uh, yeah, no, no. What I mean that um the fear for the future is quite real. Mm-hmm. It's not, it uh, you know, to to fear from all those missiles you know that Syria is um, and Iran talking about it and yeah
2: yeah I think there's a decrease in the sense of security that we all have uh and, and this sense of uncertainty about the future is I think very common now to all of us
1: so you say it's clearly uh affecting our decision making uh
2: it, it certainly brings questions. I mean, I, I think if people, like um, many people around me, thought didn't think um, seriously about where they're going to live in the rest of their lives, they may be now thinking that. Uh, wow. right, they They maybe raises questions now about, especially if they have kids and they worry about the kids and do they? But also, to- it
1: became it became legitimate.
0: No. Uh, I think it's the legitimacy. Oh really legitimacy I think, you know
2: when we were kids you're right when we were kids you know we had these derogatory terms right to talk about israelis Israel who leave the country your deem and so on and i've been famous words yeah. calling them the short. Um, but uh hold, I on, think... hold on hold on hold on
0: cp still think it Can okay you explain a little bit more why do you feel guilty it's not okay, a... guilty, I, feel guilty. Uh-huh. I think that um
1: you know although i'm six months here and six months there and never mind the circumstances and uh, i wish it would not be like that Uh uh, because i i think that our place is over there Uh, over there i mean over here right uh, and i think that uh being here it's kind of avoiding taking you know breaking our commitment to the place we grew up to the what mm -hmm. i live in the Mm -hmm. Uh, ideology, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. need for existence of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, not not all of it, not the West Bank, maybe. But you I know, it's, so it's could... complicated. But still, mm-hmm. I will not. For example, I will, I'm plan to come now on the 12th mm-hmm. because I'm teaching. Okay, people ask mm-hmm. me, are you crazy? No, I have to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, going mm-hmm. home, is going home. It has nothing to do with the, not going uh, home now. Course. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's uh, I'm still with rabbin assessment. The teacher,
0: mm. you know, it's it's not a <laughs> even wish. though you're even though you're like almost like this. it's like almost a, it's criticism with a curse, you know, because uh they call you names, and the thing yeah. is Tzipi is not alone. There are still people that are running around the world with the guilt, and mm-hmm. they right. need don't to feel apologize. And it's part of the Israeli society to carry even today to carry these words. There's no need. There's no need. Do you hear? Do you hear sounds from outside your room? Because we don't.
2: Okay. Good. Good. No, I'm hearing. you don't um, hear anything. And I think Nira is coming too. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, No. So um um, one of my fears Mm -hmm. is that a lot of people no will leave Israel.
0: You. But you know what? I'll take it further. The big difference in Israel is that people like us Mm -hmm. always question, like for many decades now whether they should leave, whether they should stay, they, whether it's um, the option is there, it's in the air. The right, the very right-wing people, they never question it. Right, They never question mm-hmm. it. For them, it's obvious they're in Israel. It's obvious mm-hmm. they need to stay. It's yeah. They don't ask questions. Yeah, but still, you know, they're
1: also willing to die for their ideas yes, and right. we don't. So, so all those uh, settlers, some of them, uh, it doesn't agree with me. Uh, Not necessarily.
2: I mean, and now you see. uh, um, I'm not sure if the willingness to die or the willingness to fight uh, all the way is stronger among settlers. I'm not sure about that. I mean, look. I'm sure you're watching TV now, and you're watching. I'm not
1: thinking about uh, the war. I speak about people who have strong either religious belief,
0: emotional uh, commitment. Um, Maybe. The the whole attitude. Uh, around them is first of all they don't question where they need to stay. It's obviously in Israel. It's our place. It's our country. It's our land. We have to protect it. We have to stay here. Period. Nobody, nobody would uh, would question the uh, whether they need to relocate
2: themselves or not.
0: Yeah, but you know, uh... I don't know. If
2: it's true, or not. I mean, I, I, we know many, many. Has, you know, for example, the Hasidic Jews are uh, many of them are in America. But uh, I don't know. If there those
0: it. who moved from Israel. I'm not talking about those who are here for you know for generations. I'm talking about those who live in Israel and thinking about. It, it may be. I
2: mean, I don't know if anybody looked at the percentage of people religious versus secular who left the country. I mean, it may be true. It's an empirical question. I, I do agree with you that if you have this religious commitment, it adds on to your um, to your commitment to be here. That's probably true.
1: Tell me something. What, what do you think will happen after the war? Uh, because a lot of people don't, like here, they don't differentiate in America, a lot of them between state of Israel and Judaism, uh, anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and being against the policy of Israel. But mm-hmm. also in Israel, we have too many people who uh, think the Palestinian is a Palestinian and they don't differentiate Palestinian from Hamas people. And I worry that this notion of let's kill the Arabs will stay after the war
2: i have no idea you know i really don't I'm, I'm i don't feel qualified to say much about this but i feel that if anything no,
1: but you know that about attitude change and how can yeah
2: but i, I don't know about these particular attitudes i think that it, it, my impression is that actually what happened now maybe will actually differentiate more between the hamas and the rest of the palestinians because of what they did and and, uh, the equation of the Hamas specifically with Al-Qaeda and and the the equation of and I think there's a lot more people talking about these differences between Hamas and the PLO for example and and, and their motives which seem to be very different and the emphasis on religion within Hamas uh, and Hezbollah versus uh, more I think political awareness among the PLO and more I don't know a political agenda among the pillows. So i'm not sure that will that will actually blur the confusion blur on um, the distinction i'm not but sure it
0: also depends you know or their I, economical situation their, and the abilities you know they're um, they're depend on the hamas i don't know how much they can fight it individually or everybody against
2: yeah, I, I it's really this is not an area that I feel an expert on. I can say that many people are now working on trying to, I mean, many people are involved in various forums and think tanks that are trying to consider what's going to be the day after and, and trying to think of solutions that would not be just local concrete solutions, but maybe solutions that try to uh to apply to the wider problem of, of our relationship with the Arabs and Palestinians.
1: Are you part of this state tank thing? No, near,
2: near, near I is. is. Uh, oh. I'm not. Uh, I'm more uh I found myself much more involved in the more personal um you know clinical stuff. Uh so you know I told totally you working with uh, with the refugees from Derri. We are now uh, developing um uh very quickly a, a trauma clinic at the university. Oh. Um there was a building that that was contributed to us, and we were supposed to open this trauma clinic in three years. But what happened now made us all um, uh, make this process much much more urgent, and and we're going it to. Will start it will be
1: open for the public.
2: public. It will be open for everyone who has a trauma. Yeah, public, oh. of course, not just soldiers or people with That's war wonderful trauma. The
1: trauma the university is doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we we're we actually looks like we will be open to open it on on January first. Wow. We have many. Uh, contributors uh, until we get donations from the University president through other people and uh uh, yeah it's ready to go and and I think the the urgency the understanding that we better be able to handle these people now people coming with trauma to prevent uh colonization uh is is, uh is motivating all of us to do it quickly so there's many 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 efforts around us uh for uh and that, that's why I might find myself more uh, involved because I feel that's my expertise that's where right. but it's
0: more like private um um because I don't feel that the, the state the country is doing enough you know to take care of its people and it's more on a private level or um University is not it's not the government it's not a government university
2: is not the government but it is public and and it's not private in that sense uh and um you know what happened in in the hotel where I was it, it started completely as a grassroots thing. So people came the, the second day after the event when very people were uh, moved into this hotel um people just came they came on their own and they started treating people it was actually quite chaotic in the beginning but very quickly they, they formed a team with principles uh and, and that you know operating principles uh that began to get much more better organized with regular meetings and so on. By now, what happened, you know, 50 days later, is that uh, the government is um, is putting people in there more uh, in a more organized fashion, so that people there are employees and they get paid and so on. So the volunteers have moved out. Uh, they're still working hard, um but they're I mean they still work for volunteers, but it became more organized, and more state uh organized um so that's where I find myself more effective or finding that uh, but unless yeah. so you know in my own in my own you know yeah, I don't know that I can contribute to uh forms like the day after because I'm not mm-hmm. a strategist and I'm not a politician yeah. See, just I'm I want to make
1: sure not to forget mm-hmm. uh, I have to talk to take care of myself also uh, is the world going to influence uh, our? Uh, how you say it? Afra uh, uh, Eating
2: disorders. Eating disorders. yeah,
1: eating disorder Habits. like uh, eating every meal every two hours or so.
2: <laughs> That's for the personal. If you cope, uh, if you use eating to cope with anxiety and stress, then probably yeah, right. So well, every stressful yeah, period, it can increase all the time. Yeah, it can, sure, sure. It can
1: increase. So uh, some but, people eat more,
2: and you know, some people eat less. So it really depends. Oh really? You. Oh, I don't oh, yeah. know then.
0: Of course. For some people it eliminates the hunger for some yeah, people. Their appetite. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: So Sorry, I disturbed you. No. <laughs> I forgot what I. No, I d- to yeah, ask. but you know, but uh, Ruvi is a, also a co- first of all he's also paint. You know, he really paints wonderfully. Thank you. Must admit, and he is de- <laughs> very devoted to painting, right?
2: It's uh, like really it him. Yeah, he's yeah. serious.
0: But, he's but now a- I remember what I wanted to ask. Oh, okay. Ruby, this is a very general uh, question, and it's not only for Israel. What mm-hmm. is it that um um leaders or governments or politicians you name it sent everybody to war much easier than welcoming them back and making sure and taking care to treat them as much as they need when they after they get
2: they get uh, uh, back come from back. the service yeah. um I don't know you're saying it as, as a fact and I'm not sure it's a fact but, but no um,
1: and it was not it was not known the whole treatment of that's a different question. Something, so, so yeah.
2: that's true that's true so the whole idea of of uh the whole concept of trauma or specifically combat trauma has changed a lot since the second world war I see I think the first book on trauma war related and how to treat it was Following the Second World War, if I'm not mistaken, there's a man. There's a book called "Men Under Stress" that talks about all these cases that were treated then by psychiatrists who people who suffered trauma from the war. Before that, it was uh, basically unknown, or people used this derogatory uh, term like uh, "battle shock" or "shell shock." Shell shock was the original expression, and that was you know basically saying that people are, are. fearful or you know the soldiers are not brave those soldiers who had this problem are not brave um and it was derogatory nobody treated them uh they were seen as, as um i don't know weak, weak i guess you're right, weak. exactly um and the idea that it's, it's a common problem only started the second world war and then even in israel when i i fought in the 73 wars a soldier and even then I remember very vaguely some people who apparently, with hindsight, I can say had had uh, trauma from the war and left, but there was no protocol for treating them. That developed only after the Okinawa War.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: right. and firstly, I and the, yeah. the, whole, the whole, yeah, and the whole awareness of the trauma, and also later knowing that it's not caused only by war, but also by you know sexual violence, for example, right. or, or car accidents. Uh, that it's a much wider problem that people recognize and it's a legitimate problem right. there should be ways to treat it it developed fairly late
0: yeah but I think that in on some level they don't take it in consideration because even sending soldiers to run the civilians in the occupied territories it's a it's a long process of troubling, troubling times for any individual then later on yeah. to get out of the army and function yeah
2: no, i agree these are uh it's a very, it's I, very I think
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah but but you know governments do what they think they, they i mean the reasons are political but the reasons are um our wider interests of the supposedly of the good of all of us and of course they, they're aware that so that people pay a price that soldiers pay a price for doing so that
0: that's the thing you know the servants of the system are paying the price and not necessarily covered later on and so i think, think
2: again this has changed i think now in israel is much there's much more awareness much more many more institutions that are um attempting to to address this problem
1: especially after what is about you know the 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 guy who burned himself because he couldn't mm-hmm. get an answer. Yeah, for but this his, was very late. Yeah, that was two, three years ago, maybe. But you mm-hmm. know, I would like to make sure that we also mentioned that you know that uh, Professor Dar is also kind of um, uh, the, there is uh, provocator. In what sense? Provocator. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your ideas about smoking, which is ah, okay. really orthodox?
2: It's not orthodox, yeah. and you
1: look uh, such an, um, you know,
2: nice guy, <laughs> nice
1: guy, kind of mainstream,
2: uh uh-huh. um,
1: trusted.
2: Mm. So you know, I didn't do this alone. I was I did it with Hanan, Frank, my yeah, friend,
1: good friend very well. The By the way,
2: Hanan has, has suffered from PTSD all his life.
1: I know. Uh, we yeah. know he lost two of his legs, and he's not two even leg of,
2: right, uh, going over landmine in in the early seventies. No. Yeah. I think, no. Yeah. I think even late 60s, probably 69 or 70. Uh, and, and he is a much more a natural provocateur than I am, right? Oh, but the idea that we, together, we developed together is that uh, if you look at the literature that supports the thesis that nicotine is addictive and that people smoke because of the nicotine, that when you look at the literature closely, you find that it has very um, flimsy base bias basis sorry uh and and there's really very little evidence and there's a lot of contra evidence to the idea that people smoke because of the nicotine in the cigarettes so we did a lot of reviews on that together and and then i did several empirical studies including studies of religious jews um, and showing that um, craving to smoke for example is dissociated from the level of nicotine in your system. So, if, if you so, for example, we looked at, um, we had two studies. One of them I, I did looking at, at religious orthodox people who don't smoke on the Sabbath. Right. And,
1: and they smoke a lot. Many of them smoke a lot during the week.
2: During the week, they smoke a lot. We looked at heavy smokers or relatively heavy smokers. And during the Sabbath, when they wake up in the morning, even though their system is deprived of nicotine on Friday night, <clears throat> they don't experience any craving to smoke because they know they won't be able to. So craving is a lot to do with expectation rather than with uh, physiological factors like the, the presence of nicotine in the system. Uh, we had a similar study. I'll try to make it simple. So we looked at, um, at uh, flight attendants who smoke. But during the flight, of course, they don't smoke. And then we asked them to report their craving to smoke every hour or so during the flight, and we had long flights we looked long flights like to to new york or la uh, 10 12 13 hours 15 hours and then short flights within europe so three hours or four hours what we showed is that if you look at the same point in time after takeoff so maybe three hours after takeoff you have the same level of nicotine in your system right because you haven't smoked for three hours but the people in the short flights. the the flight attendants had much higher craving to smoke than the people in the long flights and that's because they expected to smoke soon so again dissociating nicotine levels from craving to smoke uh and and we think there's a lot more evidence that nicotine wait a a second
0: craving for smoke is a, a trigger the need
2: to smoke yeah, craving is, is the same as the need. So you have this urge that's called craving. Right? You feel like you, you mm-hmm. want to smoke, and that what that's that's what sort of keeps that the habit going. And yeah, you, you feel like you want to do it. You have this urge to smoke. The urge to smoke we suggest is a much more psychological phenomenon than a physiological phenomenon.
1: You know, I am a testament because I smoked so much; it was disgusting. And uh-huh. then, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I decided to force myself. I just wanted to stop and I mm-hmm. so I went to this place uh with the most boring, unbelievably boring uh, person who and you know what? I stopped and I don't care anymore. You can smoke in mm-hmm. my face
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't yeah. care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. So I guess uh, but did you persuade anybody?
2: yeah I, th- I think certainly yeah certainly we, we had uh, people who collaborated with us and, and certainly some people who think that we are right about that we're still a minority in the sense that most you still hear the statement as if it's a fact that nicotine is the driver of smoking that is the, that people are addicted to nicotine. smokers who smoke regularly are addicted to nicotine and we think it's just false in that sense,
1: some of you never smoked, she never smoked. I never smoked either. Oh, really? I, so, how do you I, know about craving? I oh, you know about
2: craving so other
1: things, maybe.
2: I don't have OCD, <laughs> I,
1: right? I, right.
2: I know about this. So tell
1: me, I don't know if to ask you the professional and the psychologist is are you optimistic about our future? Um, that's a good
2: that's. I'm an optimistic generally speaking for sure uh do I feel optimistic right now I can not tell you that I feel optimistic um there's just I think what I became aware of is how flimsy our existence here seems to be uh after this event um and um so I, I can't say I'm optimistic right now concretely about our uh, our chances of of overcoming all these enemies around us and, and and living in a having a reasonable living situation you know livable and and, and durable
0: i think and durable. we need a little bit more than just miracle um no no i didn't say miracle um yeah i, I think no that, but i'm uh, saying because i think that the whole existence of israel is is a miracle but mm-hmm. we need more than miracle and the thing is that you know everybody is trying to uh focus on their own wish and fear and something some of us think that this is we got to a low such a low point that we have to kick back and go up and some things it will fade and it they don't know what will happen and something that there's no future for us and um and we need some time and we need some time and to come down. And it's hard in this condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but the question is you know, the big question if people can change
1: or oh, because oh, are, are we going to when come you... back and where we were before, a day before?
2: Okay? I don't think Seven, so. We... I, I, in that sense, I, I don't think that people think will stay as they were. Uh, okay. I really don't think so. Um, I, yeah, there are
1: forces, like, for example, in the government. If you, what? If we touch a little bit politics, there are forces in the government. Uh, they are keep now, as we speak, doing the change they want. You know, like the yeah,
2: yeah. To some extent, I think it's true, but I don't think this government will survive the war. I don't think so. I think they will go away. I think. Uh... I don't
0: see them going away so fast. They need to disappear. <laughs> uh and I don't see them disappearing so fast I mean very disappear? annoying
2: they will not fade into nothingness right but they may not be part of the government uh, I would hope so okay And I I think there's so much anger and there's so much resentment and there's so um and and, and I think if you're here especially you feel the strength of the people uh, which I found incredible. I mean, spending time with the people in, in uh, the kibbutz, from the kibbutz, looking at what the army is doing now and, and hearing them being interviewed and so on. I am very impressed with uh, how this...
0: Yeah, but the strength of the people is amazing. And I think we're too good for this government. The government in Israel... The... Yeah, that, uh,
2: I agree with that. Maybe yeah. But person... every
0: day that they're there, we'll suffer more. And um, they yeah. they need to go home. And many people think it's not the right time that we should wait till the war is over. And I don't see the end of the war so fast.
2: No, I don't either. But I think still the critical question is: whatever, whenever the war ends, and whenever there be an opportunity to to get rid of the government, what kind of government will we have? And, and I personally don't imagine. And I hope I'm right. People like Benvier and Smotrich and so on in the next government. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't
0: want Netanyahu of... in the next government. I don't no, want any No,
2: I think it is going to be a right-wing government because the left is completely gone yeah. and it will not come back for a while and maybe for good reasons after what happened now. Um, and I, I always voted for um, the peace-loving uh, small parties uh, like Meretz, but I think it's gone. I don't think it's,
0: I don't, I think I know, we'll it's not about left people. and right. It's about good people.
2: Exactly. So I think we'll see good people, but with nationalistic, milit- fairly militaristic views, like all these uh, generals that we now see. Uh, honest people who might find themselves uh, forced into politics, and and will do the right thing. I hope.
1: I Listen. Know, I hope so. This is a great, this great note. Time. This is a great note. Ruby, thank you to thank him. And yeah. we, we we will I will redefine, if, if I may, the notion of post-trauma that we uh-huh. all say about ourselves because we have maybe to be more careful. Yeah. Say, oh, we
2: are all post-trauma.
1: It's very really, yeah. good. but
2: When you meet people who are really post-traumatic, it's easy to see that you're not one of them. It's yeah. also an excuse. You know? That's right. <laughs>
1: okay, Uvi, <laughs> what Thank can I you, tell you? Ruby. Thank you and keep, uh, yeah, and I will see you soon. Right. Okay. Very and see
0: you everybody next yeah. week. Yeah. Thank you, silly. Bye. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Bye.